Helen has taught me about trust, trusting those people around you to do the right thing, even if that makes you feel uncomfortable and vulnerable at times. If you don't trust those around you, it makes doing anything that much more difficult. That was Guy Stevens from our previous episode on LEGO Series Play. When I asked Guy, whom shall I have on Inoculate, he introduced me to Helen. With that, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Inoculate. This is a podcast about conversations that we collect from all over the world. And today we have Helen Collins, and she'll be talking to us about growing through adversity. So Helen, over to you to introduce yourself and welcome to Inoculate. Yeah, thank you very much, Wendy. It's a privilege to be here. Um, As you said, my name is Helen Collins. I've recently retired, having taken early retirement, Mm -hmm. um, having experienced a year of what I would call major adversity in 2016, which made me reevaluate my life in a very significant way and um, made me make decisions in a different way. So that's how I sit here today. Mm -hmm. And tell me more about... What happened then that made it such a significant year and a significant event in your life? So up until 2016, I always thought I had a perfect life. I was very privileged. Mm -hmm. I was very happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a very high-powered job. I earned a lot of money. I had a husband, two kids, one in the Navy, one going off to university. Mm -hmm. Um, And life was genuinely good. I was fit and healthy. Uh, We travelled a lot and all the things that Western Europeans take for granted, I think, sometimes. Mm, And then in the spring... This is kind of like the the perfect life. (laughs) It sounds like it, doesn't it? Yes. So then in the spring of 2016, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, my marriage broke down and um, came as a complete and utter shock. Mm -hmm. I found out my husband had been having an affair Mm -hmm. and um, in the space of literally uh, sort of four months, I went from having two children and a husband at home Mm -hmm. uh, to having nobody at home, just me. Mm -hmm. Um, My daughter was at university, my son was away at sea and Mm -hmm. my husband was gone. And Mm -hmm. that was bad enough But then three weeks after that, I found out I had breast cancer. So quite an aggressive form of breast cancer. And my whole world just collapsed at that point. And my journey from that point on was very different to the life that I had before. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like right now, as you tell me this, I'm feeling like a little knot in my stomach. It's like, wow, that's so much to go through from, from being up there and just falling off the cliff in the sense that I could, I can feel that, you know. And how, how did you deal with all those all at once? The, the thing that um, I really struggled with mm. I was, was actually being ill. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always been very fit and healthy. Mm-hmm. I've always been somebody who goes to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, looks after themselves. I eat well. Um, I don't drink a lot. I've never smoked. Um, You know, there's no genes in my family to suggest I would get breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I struggled really significantly with with the why me? Why Mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you compound that with the fact that you also have the 
why did he do it conversation mm. <laughs> yes. with yourself. You end up in a in a terrible spiral of uh, doubt and mm. self-effacement, I mm-hmm. think. And the only way I could cope with it at the time was to sort of hunker down and deal with one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, trying to explain to two children who, you know, were adults. My daughter was 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. My, my son was 22. Um, that their life had fallen apart too and that their mum was ill mm. meant that I didn't have a choice, I didn't feel, to sort of do the breakdown thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a resolution that I would just take one day at a time and deal with one issue at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it sort of worked. It worked some days and not others. Mm-hmm. But um, I decided to focus on my health because I think... If you have your health, you have a life. Mm. Um, And my form of breast cancer was quite aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And fortunately, they caught it early. So I I decided that health was my priority. And then I decided that um, I needed a support system because my support system had walked out the door. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I had no partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I... didn't tell anybody for uh, eight weeks, didn't mm-hmm. tell anybody mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to deal with it on my own. And mm-hmm. I think that was a mistake, actually, mm-hmm. Wendy. I, I don't think you can deal with all of this yep. sort of stuff on your own. And and I'm a true believer in talking therapy now, whether that's a professional or whether it's a really good friend or a relative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what got me through in the end. But, but the, the journey itself was was done in steps in terms of deal with the health issues Mm -hmm. deal with the personal issues Mm -hmm. and come out the other side and that was my objective to come out the other side fit and healthy Mm -hmm. and as I listen to you talk about this I wonder like what was that turning point that helped you find that courage to speak to someone about it so I was I think I'm very blessed, very fortunate, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would describe it, in the fact that I had a very small circle of incredibly good friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I can count them on one hand. Um, and I had a Macmillan nurse for the cancer who, who said to me something that I didn't believe at the time, but I mm-hmm. genuinely do now, that you have different friends for different things. Mm-hmm. And you will have friends that are with you for life. And it doesn't matter whether you ring them at two o'clock in the morning crying down the phone. They'll pick up the phone and they'll talk to you. You have friends that come into your life for a reason. They pop in, they pop out. And it's not that anything bad happens. Mm-hmm. It's just that you've de- you've dealt with whatever it is you've dealt with. And you don't need them anymore, for want of a better word. Yeah. And then you have friends who just tag along for the sake of it to some degree. And mm-hmm. I didn't believe that sort of happened. But... Mm-hmm. But what actually got me through was the strength of my children, but I had one particularly good friend mm-hmm. who I just talked to and cried to, and she lives um, nearly 300 miles away, so it wasn't like we could pop around to see each other. Mm-hmm. And she rang me every night at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. for 18 months, 10 wow. o'clock in the evening for 18 months, and I'm so incredibly grateful to her um and interestingly we had a conversation yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> because something popped up that yeah. made me upset yeah and I, I went back to my place of safety which is her and 
she knows I would do the same for her and have done in, in different circumstances. But mm-hmm. I had a really strong group of five or six friends who were outstanding and I felt I could open up to because not only was I opening up about my health, but I was also opening up about my marriage and my relationship. Mm-hmm. What comes to me is that it takes a lot of strength, courage, trust and able to step into this place of vulnerability in that safe space that you have built with your friends. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think you've summed that up really well. It's it's a safe space that you build. Now, prior to this, like I say, I had a very high-powered job. I was working long hours. Um, I was, you know, I was at the top of my game. And my, I always thought my safe space was at work. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed my job. I loved my job. I was well respected. Um, but when push came to shove, I couldn't tell people at work. It wasn't mm-hmm. that sort of relationship. And yeah. I, I felt that they would see me as more vulnerable, not um, as reliable, more risky, perhaps. And it, I, I'm not saying they weren't supportive when they did find out, but it just wasn't the place that I could go and talk to people or gain help. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I referred myself as well to a, a clinical psychologist because mm-hmm. I thought, not that I was going mad, but I knew I wasn't well and yeah. I was um, doing things and my behaviours were changing because I, I went through this sort of phase of, well, if nobody dies, what's the problem? Um <laughs> And I know that sounds really bizarre, Mm -hmm. but why am I worrying about a 1% drop in my customer services figures Mm -hmm. when nobody's died and actually I could be dying? Um, And and that was a real shock to me that actually work started to pale into complete and utter insignificance. Mm -hmm. And it was the people around me on a day-to-day basis. And and they weren't physically around me. They were, you know, either by Skype or FaceTime or, or phone mm-hmm. around me that actually were dragging me through, pulling me through and keeping me on the straight and narrow. And that was a massive shock to me. Mm. And it's interesting for me to reflect on this as you speak, because I think about like right now when we are in this pandemic and we are home and we see the dynamics change between the friendship and the family and the people around us versus work. You know, it's almost like, you know what, you know, work is not that important. And most of the time we glorify. And for me, myself, I find my space in work. But right now it has shifted and I suddenly feel that I have more time to do things that I want and more time to build upon friendships that have been kind of left unattended for for some time. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a, a really good reflection. Mm. Um, the the thing that I found was that I I I understood and I reflected back a lot. I think mm-hmm. I did a lot of reflecting in that eighteen months mm-hmm. once everything started, and um, I don't think my children or my family suffered because of my job in the round. Mm-hmm. But I think I made some choices that probably were bad choices at the time. And, and they re- revolved around things that I thought I needed to provide and I thought I needed to do when actually I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 
again, I think now this pandemic has really opened people's eyes to issues surrounding themselves, their environment, their possessions. Mm. And, and what I came to the conclusion of was things don't make you happy. Money doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. It's the experiences that you have with the people that you love that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sounds really cheesy. And lots of people have said that previously, but I sort of didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of self-satisfaction out of, a do- out of doing a really good job at work. Um, I got a lot of self-satisfaction about being well-respected. I was never power hungry it was never about power mm-hmm. it it was about the fact that I wanted to feel that I'd done a hundred percent all the time mm-hmm. and I think now I'm very different because if 60 percent is good enough I'm happy to take 60 percent and that's a massive change for me yep. and I remember early on in my career one of my line managers saying to me it doesn't always have to be perfect Helen you don't always have to give 120 percent mm. And I always felt I had to work harder. I worked in a very male-dominated environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always felt as a, as a minority woman um, that I always had to work harder and put in the extra hours and the extra graft. Um, and now I, I speak to people and I do mentoring and coaching. And I always say that's not necessarily what will get you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, when I talk to... Um, younger women I, I I'm a governor at a school as well mm-hmm. so I carried that on in fact I did the interview for the governor's post post operatively 24 hours lying in bed stitched up and still hypnotized <laughs> <laughs> because, because I didn't want to pass up the opportunity so you know I'm, yeah. I'm a determined little soul on occasions <laughs> um but but ultimately I think you know, as you rightly pointed out, people are re- reflecting on what is important to them. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, you know, work isn't about what you get there. It's about what it enables you to do. And if that enables you to feed your family and be healthy, then actually, what more do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, but whether that continues once the pandemic passes, I, I'm not sure. And um, Helen, how would you describe your year of adversity? I would describe my year of adversity, my 18 mm. months sort of mm. thing, as, as a rebalancing. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that that's what you see with the pandemic at the moment. Mm. And I would not wish anybody ever mm. to go through what I went through or, or to be affected by this pandemic. You know, we would rather it all didn't happen. But, but I think those that reflect and rebalance will mm-hmm. come out stronger and better. And I think that art of reflection is something we don't teach children. We talk about mm. it in terms of academics, yep. but we don't talk about it in terms of feelings and how it makes us behave. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did, and it, I literally started it the, the day I found out I was ill, mm-hmm. um, I didn't do it when my sort of family life collapsed, was I started to keep a, a diary, but not a diary of today I did. It was a, it was a, di- a diary of... Um, at the moment I feel, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that allowed me to do was go back because people were telling me, you know, my these really good friends were saying, it'll get better, it'll be fine, you'll be okay, mm-hmm. you know, you'll look back and it'll all be all right. And mm-hmm. I just didn't believe them, Wendy. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't believe them. I was in a very, very dark place. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I lost a lot of weight, mm-hmm. um, both through illness and stress, I think. Um, and... I, I was in a very, very dark place, but 
But now, looking back, sort of four years on, they were absolutely spot on. They were absolutely <laughs> right. Yep. Um, but I wasn't ready to hear it. And I think that reflective practice in private life is now just as important as it is in professional life. Yeah. Um, tell me more about this journal that you kept on recognizing the emotions that you're feeling daily because I feel that there's something in there that our listeners should know more about because it's so significant and so important to to hear our yeah. own emotions. Yeah, I think um, it's a pity this isn't on video. So you, if you saw it, mm-hmm. it's not a like I say, it's not a diary that is is all words and um, flowery and you know today I ate this mm-hmm. and, and did that. It's it's real feelings and thoughts and diagrams and pictures. So mm-hmm. I'm a very visual individual. Mm-hmm. So I I like clouds. I draw clouds and in those clouds I write words and things. So it, so on one day it might just have said today is a bad day and in a cloud and then it would and then there'd be little sticks coming out and it would say because mm. and I'd say because I was feeling particularly bad because mm. I'd had radiotherapy today mm. because you know I found out that my husband had done something that he shouldn't have you know it mm. could be anything mm. um or it could be today was a particularly good day because the radiotherapy went well or mm-hmm. uh, this friend came round for tea and we chatted or my daughter came home from university or my son was, do you know, mm-hmm. it, it's sort of those sort of things. And then it would be, you know, doodles. I'm a good doodler mm-hmm. as well. A few mm-hmm. flowers, pictures, that type of thing. But it would also be quite insightful, I think, now looking back at it mm-hmm. in terms of how I was feeling overall because I think the best way to describe it and again it's a very common description is like a roller coaster because Mm -hmm. you're up and down on a wave depending on on what's happening you know so so my my journey with the breast cancer was um yeah we've caught it it's really early it's stage one no problems you know you you can come in in four to five weeks for for an operation to get another letter three days later saying, actually, we got that wrong. We need you to be in quickly. We're going to do an mm. operation. So they do the operation. Then the operation doesn't work and I have to go back. And, and you know, it's not the doctor's fault. They did what they thought was right. And mm-hmm. and I cannot fault the NHS, particularly like the pandemic at the moment. They yep. were awesome. Yep. Um, but every time you think you've crested that wave, you find out something else. And that was what was going on in my private life as well. So I was finding out things that my husband had done or places mm-hmm. he'd been or money he'd spent. And, mm. and therefore there was constantly these knocks. So even though I was on a journey and I, I know now I was getting better, it didn't feel like that because I was constantly being knocked off mm-hmm. this sort of pathway. Mm-hmm. And the only way to sort of jump back on that was to sort of give yourself a good talking to and write it down for mm-hmm. me and then talk it through with with my family or, or a friend. You know, have I got this wrong? Is this really bad? You know, am I going to die? Am I not going to die? Why am I on these tablets? You know, all mm-hmm. this sort of yeah. stuff. It sounds very melodramatic and I don't want it to sound very melodramatic, but but it, it was really important to, to have a, a routine, if that makes sense. So like mm-hmm. I say, this friend rang me every night at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And before she rang, I wrote my journal. Yeah. And then I might write in afterwards because she might make me feel better or mm-hmm. she might give me a little hint or a tip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if I saw somebody else, I would write in it. So it wasn't, it, it was a bit of a routine that I needed to just 
go through to keep myself on track. I think if I'd been one of these people that just curled up and stayed in bed and didn't want to talk to anybody, I think I'd be a gibbering wreck mm. now. Absolutely. What advice would you give to someone who is experiencing a trauma in their life or feel like everything is crumbling upon them? So the advice I would give is to go with the emotion. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure whether that's good advice or not, but mm -hmm. the mistake I made was to try and bottle it up. So mm -hmm. like I said, I didn't tell anybody for weeks. Mm. And when my husband left, I only told one, my, my very, very best friend. That was all. I didn't tell anybody at work. I carried on. Um, on the on the day I found out that he'd been having an affair, I carried on at work. Mm -hmm. I chaired a number of meetings. I went to a governor's meeting that evening. I carried on. And I think what that did was that elongated the process for yep. me. And at the point that I went, started to go with the emotion, as in, that it was okay to feel bad mm -hmm. and it was okay to show your vulnerability, mm -hmm. that was at the point that I started to get better. So mm. the, the biggest one for me would be there's nothing wrong with having a good cry yep. and there's nothing wrong with having a good cry in front of somebody else because if they truly are a good friend and a family member, they will totally understand. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing is that everybody's journey is different. Mm -hmm. And just because you feel something doesn't mean to say it's wrong. Yeah. So I quite often went, well, this can't be right. I can't do, you know, I shouldn't mm -hmm. be feeling like mm -hmm. this. Well, actually, you are entitled to feel like that. Mm -hmm. Whether that's you feel cheated because your health is diminished. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and even now my health is not as good as it was before I got the cancer. Mm -hmm. um, or whether it's somebody's treated you badly or you've had something go wrong at work. You are entitled to feel how you feel. Nobody can take that away mm -hmm. from you. And the last one I would say is, uh, and again, it's sort of come out over the last few months and even a little bit before the pandemic, is be kind. Mm -hmm. Be kind to yourself. And it's those little acts of kindness to yourself and to others that make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. So um, one day I was lying in bed, having just come out of hospital, feeling very sorry for myself, bandaged up, stitched and all that sort of stuff. And a package arrived on the doorstep. Mm -hmm. And my mum was there at the time and she brought it up for me. And there was no note. There was nothing in it to say who it was from. And it was a shoebox that had been wrapped up in beautiful paper. And, in, and there was just a sticker on the front that said, Helen's care package. <laughs> and in it was a mug, some hot chocolate, a nail file, some nail varnish, a comb, a face pack, a book, um, anything just to cheer you up, uh, um, a little um, posy of artificial flowers. Mm -hmm. And it, it took me almost eight months to work out who had sent <laughs> And she wasn't a great friend. Mm -hmm. We barely spoke. Um, but she knew who I was and mm -hmm. she said that she felt I needed a little bit of a pep. Oh, and I've done the same thing since um, because those sort of things really mattered. And it's not about what you get, it's about the thought that somebody thought about you. Mm -hmm. And I think those little acts of kindness are really important. So little things now, like, you know, if, if the man behind me in the supermarket queue only has a sandwich to pay for, I'll always let them go first, mm -hmm. always. Yep. You know, now, 
did I do that before? I might have done, but I was always in a hurry and I always had somewhere to be and I always needed to go somewhere, you know. Um, and I think, therefore, my pace of life has slowed significantly and I weigh mm -hmm. up what I do a lot more than just plough on in this sort of rut that I sort of found for myself that was always striving to move on. Um, and I, I think, you know, just those check-ins. So over the pandemic, you know, I, I text people just to say, hi, I'm mm -hmm. just checking in. Are mm -hmm. you OK? Mm -hmm. And you don't need to do any more than that. And if yeah. they reply, they reply. If they don't, they don't. Yeah. And if they want to have a conversation, we have a chat. And if not, just a thumbs up, smiley face, whatever. But it's it's so important, these little things. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And and I think quite often when we are at work and we are busy and we are rushing around, particularly if you've got young children and mm -hmm. family or caring responsibilities, you don't check in with yourself and be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that being kind might just be, right, I'm going to stop now and have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it doesn't have to be anything dramatic or melodramatic. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, if we were all just a little bit kinder and a bit more considerate, it would be totally different. And, you know, the pandemic has shown us things like that, the clapping for carers and that type of stuff mm -hmm. is great. But if it doesn't carry on that we care, mm -hmm. then all it is is an act of show, isn't it? It's yeah. not It's not true behaviour change. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What was for you the most significant growth that you felt in going through this 18 months of recovery? That's a really good question. Um, I think growth personal growth individual mm. growth um is sometimes hard to define i felt like i'd been cut off at the knees mm -hmm. both professionally and personally and health-wise um and the growth for me was about reevaluating what i wanted out of life in mm -hmm. future and what was important what became hugely significant to me was the relationship that I had with my children, which was always good. It was always a brilliant relationship. They were amazing individuals and people. And even as little ones, they, you know, we had really good relationships. Mm -hmm. But it moved those relationships on to a different level. Mm -hmm. And the understanding that actually boys don't want to talk about mum's areas of difficulty, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and boys, you know, are very active uh, my son just wanted to do stuff mm -hmm. um which is great but actually there was nothing he could do uh whereas my daughter uh was happy just to go with the floor and that could mm -hmm. be just my children mm -hmm. I, other people may you know be able to see that in their own children but but the growth that i needed and where i've come out of uh having been through this is that it's made me think wider and it's made my spirit grow for want of a better word. And I don't mean that in a, in a religious sense. Mm -hmm. I mean that in a, who I am yep. sense. Yeah. So, um, I'm a lot more comfortable in my own shoes now. Um, I look at things in a different way as in, I look at, I'm not looking at risks and all of that sort of stuff as I was at work. I look at things about, 
does this bring me joy? Does this make me happy? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't make me happy and it doesn't bring me joy, even if it's a horrible thing to do, like cleaning the windows, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. Mm. Um, and I would never let anybody down and I wouldn't tread on anybody else's toes. And as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, I now have a very fixed path, I think, in terms of if the if, I, if cleaning the windows brings me joy, as in the windows now look clean, mm -hmm. that's great. But if it doesn't get done today, it actually doesn't matter. And I I think my growth is about that slowing down and that doing things for a purpose mm -hmm. as opposed to just going through the motions because you think somebody thinks you ought to or you think somebody will think less of you or, you know, it it's... Perhaps I was overcomplicating life previously, mm -hmm. but you know I was always reevaluating and evaluating what people would think, what it, what something would look like, how would it work, what would happen, um, would I succeed? Would this, you know, would this be a good thing to do? Mm -hmm. But I never really did it from a do I enjoy it mm -hmm. perspective, mm -hmm. and does it make me happy? And mm -hmm. um, I think it. I read a book that was given to me while um, I was ill in bed and um, it, it wasn't one of these self-help books as in the normal stuff that I, you know, people read. It was the, is it Maria Kendo, the book that, the lady that does the tidying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like, hold it up. Do you feel, do you feel joy? Yeah. Yes. 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 And she talks about, you should feel joy. And I, I'm, I'm a tidy person, but I'm mm -hmm. not an overly tidy person. Mm -hmm. I got this book and I, I said to my friend, what have you bought this for? And she said, mm -hmm. because it's not about tidying. I was mm -hmm. like, right, okay. And actually the principles in it are about, does it bring you joy? And mm -hmm. have you decluttered the mm -hmm. things that don't matter? Mm -hmm. And and it was a real sort of eye opener for me because I've read all the management books and the leadership mm -hmm. books. And the, mm -hmm. I, I'm not, you know, I've never been into a bit of self-help type stuff because it just wasn't there, mm -hmm. you know, in that space previously. But this book was just brilliant. And I remember when I got better, I cleaned out all my drawers and I folded all my T-shirts the way she told <laughs> us in the book. And, I, and I've kept doing it. And I've got really lovely, tidy T-shirt drawers where I can see all my T-shirts and it brings me joy. And, you know, like four years ago, we would never have been having this conversation, mm. Wendy. <laughs> so it's kind of like, does it spark joy? And and I think it's so significant what you've said around there is a phase in our life where we live it almost for others. You know, it's kind of like for me, I would say, Am I doing this to make my parents feel proud? Am I doing this, mm -hmm. you know, to make my boss tap me on the shoulder mm -hmm. and say, well done, Wendy? Or am I doing this because it sparks joy for me? You know, yeah. may it be like now when I'm doing this podcasting is something that really sparks joy for me. And it was the pandemic that had made room for it. So it's kind of really like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Whether it's work, relationship, friends, cleaning the windows or not cleaning the windows. <laughs> That's not a brilliant example, is it? <laughs> but it is, you know, it's like, if, if, it's like, if it's really not just hire someone to go clean the window. Yeah, and, and I, th I think that, that you know... You, You've, you've really been insightful there because you said, you know, the pandi pandemic has given you space to do something that you've probably wanted to do for a long mm -hmm. time. 
Now that's a horrible thing, isn't it? That yep. something that serious had to happen to allow that to, to take place. Yep. And and I look back and think I had to go through 2016, mm. early 17 to get where I am now. Mm. Because up until that point, I wasn't doing anything for me. I was I was being a wife, I was being a mother, mm-hmm. I was being a senior leader. Mm-hmm. So everything was about doing something for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, don't get me wrong, Wendy, I had a good life and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I enjoyed it. But looking back on it, I never did stuff just for me. Mm-hmm. And that's not about being selfish. That's about, like you say, giving yourself space to think, to reflect, to grow, Um and and now, even though, you know, my kids are a lot older now, um, some of those friends have moved in and out of my circle, the core group of friends are still together. Mm-hmm. And what we all have in common is we've all been through something similar and mm-hmm. we didn't realise that until we started to talk about what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. So one of, one of my very, very dear friends, I, I've known her a long time, 15 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. But I never realised she'd been married twice previously because mm. she just never talked about it mm-hmm. because it was so painful and horrible for her. And then suddenly you find this out and you find out that, you know, she's been through a divorce and she's she's had health issues. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a bit like some of the um, women's stuff, isn't it, that we don't like to talk about because mm-hmm. we don't know whether people are going to get offended. and. Yep. You know, then you find out that, yeah, lots of people have been through those sorts of things. And I'm sure it's the same for men. Mm. Um, and and I, I think, you know, it, it's it's that opening up to something new. And I think the biggest thing I've learned is just open up to new ideas, new experiences, new things. I um, I was always fit. I, I told you this. I'm, I might mm. be going a bit off track now, but I was always fit, not gym buddy fit or anything like that but I kept myself fit Mm -hmm. um and then when I had my final operation um my Macmillan nurse had been so good to me I decided I wanted to raise some money for Macmillan Mm -hmm. and then being me rather than just have a coffee morning I decided to go and join a trek across the Great Wall of China now I've never I've never trekked in my life and at that point, I was a bit of a five-star girl. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do youth hostels and camping and carrying my own stuff on my back. Yeah. And when I told people I was going to do it, they were really genuinely shocked, including my parents, because that was not me. Mm-hmm. But it was the new me. Mm-hmm. And and I did it. And I spent 10 days in rural China with people I'd never met. I turned up at Heathrow to meet 16 people that were all very different from different backgrounds different parts of the country Mm -hmm. and we gelled and bonded across a horrendous trekking expedition (laughs) i say horrendous it was absolutely fabulous but in terms of the physical effort Mm -hmm. it was really really tough Mm -hmm. and i'm due to do another one if lockdown eases a little bit um in october for a different charity a hospice charity Mm -hmm. now i would never ever have done that in my previous life ever um, and I think people were genuinely shocked and surprised. And for me, it, you know, it was about my personal growth to push myself to do things I was uncomfortable with, mm-hmm. um, to things I was scared of, meet people I didn't know in mm-hmm. a very different environment and give a little bit back as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if charity can can gain a bit, but but I would not have missed it for the world. And I'm just really sorry I hadn't done it sooner, but I never would have 
done that in a in a family setting you know i would never have walked away for however long it was 15 days from my family mm. so i think you know i'm i'm very proud of that but it's just one example of where i felt i needed to push myself completely out of my comfort zones mm-hmm. and it's to me it feels very inspiring your, your whole story the whole 40 minutes that you spent in this conversation kind of helped me think about the whole thing about growing through adversity but it's not just growing through adversity just your story itself helped me think and reflect about you know do i need a crisis to trigger growth or can i really just calm myself down sit back take some time and think about my own life be reflective and tell the universe you don't need to send me a crisis I hear yeah. you, you know. <laughs> Thank I, you for I, sending me, Helen. <laughs> I, I, I would love to think that, no, you don't need a crisis. Mm. I I didn't need a crisis. Mm-hmm. The crisis, I really didn't want a crisis, Wendy. <laughs> um, but that crisis really gave me that jolt and that kickstart. And you mm. do hear people say mm. that sometimes those big emotional things that happen in lives Mm -hmm. you know from anything Mm -hmm. from moving house having a baby moving location you know all those things make you reevaluate yeah i think the difference with those issues is you go very quickly back to the norm Mm. so yes you might have a new baby in your arms but in general you tend to go back to the person you were before Mm -hmm. that happened Mm -hmm. what i did i didn't have a choice to go back Mm -hmm. i couldn't go back Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the difference. But I don't think you need to have that crisis. I, I think exactly as you say, perhaps sometimes you just need to know somebody that has had that crisis mm-hmm. and learn from their mistakes and their experiences. Mm-hmm. And I, I, as I said earlier, I do a lot of mentoring and, and coaching at various different levels. And, and for me, it's about those experiences that I can offer up that people can take or not Mm -hmm, take but mm -hmm. actually allow them to think um so you know the person that nominated me for this that's the sort of relationship we have i i quite often play devil's advocate Mm -hmm. with him you know just and he knows this just so that he thinks in a different way yeah i do it with my children i do it with friends um and it you know it's not about being playful it's about doing it for the right reasons and Mm -hmm. i think you know if if nothing else, if any of your listeners just sit down after listening to this and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a glass of water or whatever they, they need just to just to sit and think, okay, so let's not have the crisis, but let's think what really, really matters mm-hmm. and what really, really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And if it brings me joy and makes me happy and it doesn't hurt anybody else, why wouldn't I? And mm. I've had a couple of my friends uh my sister as well who are all now thinking do you know what i'm not sure i'm in the right career i think i need to change it doesn't mm-hmm. bring me the joy that i thought <laughs> um and and actually have gone on and done something completely completely mm-hmm. wacky and off the wall and different you know yeah and i think i think sometimes and i don't know if it's my generation i'm not that old but it I think sometimes we're brought up in certain cultures to plough the same furrow, as it were. Mm-hmm. 
So you set off on this career or this path and you have to stick at it. You have to succeed. Yep. Well, actually, I think the generation of my children, they're, they're more flexible and I think they're more willing to jump off and try new things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really healthy. Mm-hmm. Very, very healthy. It is. Um, he- hence why I took early retirement, because <laughs> I thought I can do something else. Yeah. And I've now set up my own company. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work when it makes me happy and I don't when it doesn't. And I appreciate I'm in a fortunate position to be able to do that. But but that's a very, very different life to the one I had of getting up at six in the morning and not getting home till eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm really enjoying life now. I love my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm smiling and I'm thinking that when I think about this now, it's like, what comes to mind is, does it spark joy? Does it spark joy? <laughs> if it does not, what do I need to change? And of course, in whatever that sparks joy, as you said, that it's not harming anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so beautiful. As long as it's not harming anyone else yeah. and and you can, you can achieve, you know, sometimes you have to do things you don't like to do, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not a grand grand fan of hoovering. I absolutely detest hoovering. Yeah. But sometimes I just have to do it. Mm-hmm. But what I'll always do is do it when it suits me, not mm-hmm. when the house is dirty, yeah. but when it suits me. And then I'll do something that does make me happy afterwards, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love reading. I'm a great reader. I'll read anything. Um, and I always have a book or two books on the go at a time. And then I might mm-hmm. just sit down and read my book for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think, you know, it, it's how you are prepared to evaluate what you do, what you get out of it, and how much you're prepared to give up. Mm. You know, do you actually need the new pair of shoes? Do you do you need the new dress? I mean, I think most of us have been living through the pandemic in pyjamas, jogging bottoms and, <laughs> and trainers, haven't we? You know? <laughs> uh, it, it's true, I've... I'm still in my pajamas, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You know, so so you know that 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 reevaluation. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you have to travel or halfway around the world for a business meeting when you can do it like this? Yeah. Or by Skype. Yeah. You know what? Why would you do that? Why would you put your body through that and all the travel and the carbon mm-hmm. and everything else? I think you know we we can learn from all of our experiences, and it's just that some are greater than others. And and adversity is it it's either an absolute disaster or it's an opportunity. And if you mm. grab it as an opportunity, as painful as that is, you will be a better person for it. I'm absolutely convinced. Mm-hmm. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Strong. I yeah. truly believe that. Yeah. Um. And you know it. it it's about grabbing those opportunities and and cherishing the people around you. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling that what you're doing right now in sharing your story and sharing this, it's it's so powerful because it's, to me, also part of the concept of this podcast where there's a tiny little seed, something that you have said could spark a thought in someone's mind to either slow down or either you know, reflect or think about what's important for them. It's just that one line somewhere in this conversation that would just change the path of someone's life somewhere out there, if it resonates yeah. with them. Yeah. So it's, and, and that would yeah. be amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every everybody's got to make their own decisions, mm-hmm. haven't they? And, mm-hmm. and just a little spark sometimes 
is the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you were to, if there's one thing that you want to leave our listeners with, you know, this, what would that be? You know, what's that one thing that you would like them to hear? So the the one sort of message mm -hmm. that I I hold very dear to my heart mm -hmm. is that you get out of the universe what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And I've really learned that. Mm -hmm. And if you are a positive person, mm -hmm. you will get positivity back. Mm -hmm. um, and when I went through all the negativity at the beginning, it, it was a very negative world and a very negative life. I've so learned that mm -hmm. if you are optimistic, positive, smiley, cheery, mm -hmm. you will get that back in spades. And, and it makes life so much easier. Um, and whether that's the person smiling at you at the corner shop, mm -hmm. uh, when we're eventually allowed to go shopping, whether mm -hmm. it's your partner, mm -hmm. whether it's your child, I think it's about giving out what you would like to get back, mm -hmm. you know, treating people the same as, as you would like to be treated yourself. Um, and it's not necessarily what you do, it's how you do it. Mm -hmm. You can do a lot of bad things or really awful things that you have to do. But if you do them with dignity, humility and compassion, people will forgive you for them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of difficult decisions that people are going to have to make over the next few months. You know, there's going to be redundancies mm -hmm. and probably laying offs and, you know, some really difficult situations that people are going to find themselves in. And if the people that are doing those things do it with a bit of humility and compassion mm -hmm. and humanity, it will be a lot easier for everybody. And, and I think that positivity makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. It does. Oh, Helen, thank you so much. I am feeling inspired. I'm feeling reflective. And I felt that I had an emotional roller coaster in our conversation from the start of feeling, as I said, I felt that knot in my stomach and now I'm smiling as I talk because I can feel like, you know, there's so much beauty in the stories that you've told and what you've shared. So thank you very much and thank you for being on no, our show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. This has been our episode on growing through adversity. I know that for me, I'll be spending some time reflecting and thinking about what is important for me. As in each episode, the contact details of our guests will be available on the show notes. This is Wendy Lim signing off for Inoculate. Have a good day. Bye-bye for now.